All right, everybody, welcome to this podcast for Seven Figures Club. Today, we have an amazing professional and entrepreneur, someone who's been very involved in the startup scene, in the health and the wellness industry, someone who has pivoted and done extremely well for the past six months. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Haley Rowe, and do a quick introduction on who she is. So for over eight years, she's worked as a health coach and in business development for two rapidly growing health startup companies. Uh, she's become a passionate leader about helping other health coaches to go beyond just their certification and kind of address the missing pieces that are holding them back from success like marketing clarity, business structure, building a confident online presence. And let's be honest, we all deal with you know issues with confidence on a daily basis, especially as entrepreneurs, uh, finding clients they love and getting their clients to change their habits and get amazing results. There are over 32 million businesses in the US and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. I know on this podcast, we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and some of you I'm sure are in the health industry. And so at the end of this, we're going to talk about how you can connect up with Haley and how she can be an asset to help you, you know, launch and build your own health and wellness business. Haley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Leo. And it sounds like you have a great tribe of listeners. Uh, we do. We're fortunate. Our focus is on, uh, you know, startups and aspiring entrepreneurs. So there's a lot in the community that, that have this idea and this love of entrepreneurship, but they aren't sure where to start. And so I'm excited to kind of, you know, for all of us to listen and learn from your story today and kind of your background and how you, you know, uh, got started. And so what I always like to begin with is, what led you, speaking of confidence, right, what led you to have the confidence to kind of jump into the deep end and launch your own, you know, health, uh, basically business coaching startup? And, and how did you get that confidence? What was the background that said, hey, I've got the right unique product or service to really help people? Yes. So I would say I did not start out very confident. And of course, we always have new ceilings we want to break. But um, I started in wellness and I loved sales. I loved fitness and was selling fitness DVDs at a very young age. I had to have a legal guardian sign my paperwork. I've always been a go-getter and I um, wanted to expand that. So I got a bunch of health and wellness certifications and started coaching um, on nutrition and things like that. And I realized I had this love for just being um, an entrepreneur and putting myself out there and selling things and seeing the results that I could provide when I, my clients went through transformations. And I just kind of fell in love with that. And I wasn't sure how I wanted it to take shape or form in the long run, but I did know that I was passionate about wellness and business. And so I went to school um, and I studied entrepreneurship and started working for wellness companies because at first, and going back to your question about confidence, I didn't feel fully confident to rely on myself 100% 
um, in the beginning. I, I did work side jobs. I did get um, experience. I wanted to get hands-on experience working for companies. And so that's what I did. I, I um, worked in business development and marketing for some wellness startups that I admired. And it was a fantastic hands-on, you know, experience of getting to wear a lot of different hats and having tight deadlines and doing things that I never thought I could technically do, but you were just assigned to do it and you had to figure it out. And so it gave me this sense of confidence and it taught me that really you, with the right skill, you know, tools, people, and um, resources, you can figure anything out. And so I decided um, after about three years of that, one of the companies I worked with and for, and this is another thing that built my confidence in the long run, they ended up uh, facing a lot of delays and having some issues as far as getting approved in the city that they were set up in because they had a lot of medical, you know, based things and long story, it's not important, but they ended up letting everybody go because they had to figure oh, out, uh. they had a huge hiatus, yes. And that was the moment where I was like, well, I have two options. I can either find another job or I can try my own thing. And I noticed that I was getting a lot of um, inquiries from other wellness people saying, how are you doing this business stuff? How are you doing this marketing stuff? And so there was this need there. And I was like, well, actually, that's maybe let's let's go with that. Let's maybe coach them. And so that's how I shifted into what I do today, which is um, marketing and sales coaching. And then also I have a done for you marketing service company. So it, it really transitioned out of a place of, well, you know, the worst thing that could have happened when we all think about our careers, which is getting fired happened. And so that gave me a lot of confidence because I was like, well, I already experienced the worst case scenario. So there's not much else I can lose. <laughs> Right. Um, and I think yeah. a lot of people have gone through that over the last few months where there's this realization that what I'm doing actually isn't the secure thing to do. Because I think mm -hmm. when you're weighing, well, should I start a business or should I just remain as an employee? And I actually like how you explained as we unpack this, that you did work, you know, in these yeah. exciting jobs and industries. You weren't the business owner, but you were learning important skill set and building confidence in that skill set to be able to eventually become your own entrepreneur. And so when, when someone like loses their job because yeah. you think, well, that's the more secure, responsible thing to do, mm -hmm. what did you realize in that moment versus, you know, being an entrepreneur and being, you know, starting your own thing versus a job in terms of security? What, did, what was your realization yeah. at that point? Well, here's the thing. I never want to shame. Like, I think there's a lot of shame out there you know, of entrepreneurs being like, you know, don't work a nine to five, like, like, it's being an entrepreneur. And I don't think, I just think that that is silly. Like some people just don't want to do that. And there's reasons why and it's valid, like do whatever you want to do. But I think for me, I did realize that even, even though I thought it was more stable to have a job, it's not you, you know, it's going to be hard either way. It's either going to be hard because you have a job that you know you might get fired from and you can't control the work politics and maybe you hit a limit in your career and you have to fit their schedule and you only get x vacation days but you get health insurance and you get all these other things that are beneficial right so there's a trade-off or you it's going to be hard to start your own business put yourself out there rely 100 on yourself you know and have to build your own team etc 
you just have to choose which hard and which kind of insecurity, <laughs> unsecure things that you want. And the worst thing that can happen is you, you know, a feeling, a feeling of failure, a feeling of rejection, which you're going to have to face those feelings in whichever path you choose. No question. You know, it reminds me of the story of Sarah Blake, the, the founder of Spanx, because mm-hmm. she worked selling fax machines door to door while she was building her side hustle, which eventually became a multi-billion dollar company. And so you're absolutely right. Now, no one needs to feel bad that, oh, I'm still stuck in that nine to five. But what you can do is during that off time, you can be building that side hustle. So before you were kind of given this massive, you know, realization opportunity, well, now, you know, the job's gone. So now I can actually turn on my attention. But what were you doing to kind of, you know, build those skills and potentially be ready to launch a business, you know, uh, outside of those job hours when you were doing that? Yeah. So do you mean when I started my own business, um, how did I trans, how did I build up the skills and things? Or, or just when you were still in that job, were you, what were you doing outside of that or during that thinking eventually someday, like I'm going to do this, I'm going to launch my own thing. Cause I think that's the, you're right. Like people, sometimes the worst thing you can do is just quit your job and go full into this Mm -hmm. thing when you haven't even learned the, yes. uh, the proof of concept of your business yes. model, your products, your services, right. and then you could be risking everything. There's actually a smarter way, I think, to do it. So I'm just wondering, you know, yeah. if that was something you were thinking about while you were still working the jobs. Totally. So when I was working at the startups, I would say that um, I was learning a lot just from the way things were being done out of necessity, meaning like, oh, wow, maybe they, maybe proof of concept or only like build something what's the lesson about rather than building it and they will come no no, no. have them come first and build it as you go yes. that was a big lesson and yes. when it um when it comes to what i was doing on a personal level i was working this is actually a big lesson and it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying rather than me thinking well in my off time after my my day job I need to be doing so much. I need to be trying all these things. I actually shut down my own thing. I already had a blog. I already had a little business that was growing and I completely let it get pushed off to the side because I was working so much and so hard. And so I realized that um, actually that was one of my regrets was completely letting that side hustle go. Um, Now, I don't know how I would have done it differently just given the, the work schedule and, and, uh, you know, obviously I'm not the kind of person who, if I'm into wellness, like who's like hustle and pull all nighters and that's just not me. And I ruin your hell. Yeah. I don't think that's productive. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's not, I got to have eight hours of sleep and I got to do my morning yes. workout yes. and I'm not going to compromise that. And exactly. I think that, yeah. Me too. That's a big reason why I want to be an entrepreneur. So I can do things yeah. like that. But um, yeah. So anyways, that was a big lesson for me. And I actually wasn't doing what you're saying. Now, that said, I've always been into personal development. I've always listened to podcasts. I went to networking events sometimes. So I would say I wasn't completely, you know, not doing anything. But I, that was one of my regrets was I should have been building my side brand while I was working. So when you did take that plunge, the job's gone, and now you're launching this new business, what were some of the first obstacles that you faced, and how did you get over them? Yes. So the first obstacle, uh, there's many obstacles, but I would <laughs> say is. a huge obstacle, 
was lead generation and yeah. attracting the right people and consistency with that because there's a lot of tactics and there's a lot of things out there where do this, do this, this is a good idea, this is a good idea, try this, throw a party, do like whatever. And yes, that's great, but you're better off focusing on the basic things that are can get you consistent leads. And so I had to learn really what are my what are my strategies rather than just being an idea executor what are my long-term strategies that I can repeat in that work? And I had to figure that out the hard way by trying a lot of different things. Um, and so that was one big thing. And another big thing was managing yourself, to be honest, because you can have great strategy. <clears throat> you can go YouTube anything. You can get on pod. Like the strategy is one thing, but managing your time, your energy, your not adding, not overanalyzing things, not getting too attached because it's your business. So in other words, separating your yourself from your business, meaning not uh, being so sensitive that if you get rejected in or if you, um, you know, overthinking your logo and just taking way too much time on silly stuff like that, you got to learn how to manage that because you're in charge now and you don't have a boss who can just say like, okay, the deadline's this, do this. And you're, you, when you have, when you work at a company, you're less attached to like, if they get a rejection or if somebody says no to what they offer, you're not as um, upset. Like you're like, okay, well that's just business. This is the numbers game, you know, whatever. But when it's your own business, I see so many people and even myself in the beginning just struggled with that. So, so much. Because it's your it baby. Is. It is. And so what did you do to get through that? And what was the key to getting those first few sales? Because those first few sales, mm -hmm. like, make all the difference. And then that confidence starts to build. And then, mm -hmm. then you're on your way. Yeah. So the first, th first few sales for me came after a couple things. One is building relationships. Literally putting myself in front of people who I think I wanted to work with inviting them to a call and talking to them. It wasn't Facebook ads, you know, it was literally like, who do I know? Who knows who? Who can I find online? And I just want to talk to them. So I'm a big person about relationships and building touch points and nurturing people with value. So I would have like a call with them and coach a little bit, give them an experience of what I do and, and then invite them to the next step. Um, so that's how the first few, but then I also would say, um, one thing that really helped when it comes to growing my business has been video marketing, like showing up online, right? And um, the last thing I would say is there's a difference. There's short, like, like feeling confident in myself and what I offer by doing market research. So I did something where I actually, because I didn't really know what to do or where to start or I needed some ideas. And so I did, market research, meaning I had phone interviews with people who I would want to work with in a low pressure way and just ask some questions about like, what would, what do you want? What do you struggle with? Um, that kind of thing. And actually a couple of people who I did that with because I felt a process, a part of what I was building and I was literally asking them, what do you want? And I'm making this. Um, they actually became some of my first clients as well. So it sounds like you did a lot of research into finding out who is my dream client, who's my client avatar, and mm -hmm. understanding, well, what are their pain points? And once you had an understanding of what those pain points were, then you could provide the solution. 
So mm-hmm. one thing uh, one of my mentors, Russell Brunson, always says is the riches are in the niches. Did yeah. you go out there knowing that this was going to be your niche, that you were going to focus on working with health coaches, or did it start broader and then eventually come to that? How did that work? Really good question. So when it comes to niche, by the way, if your audience wants a free niche marketing training where it's going to help you get clear on your elevator pitch, um, go to HaleyRow.com. It's free. It's available there. And that's just H-A-I-L-E-Y-R-O-W-E.com. But when it comes to did I know I was going to be health coaches, I did start a little broader. I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'm helping with business habits and habits in general and just helping entrepreneurs or, or, you know, whatever. And what I found through the market research was the people who were naturally gravitating towards me, attracted to my work, were health. It were into health and wellness. Mm. And I was into that too. So it made sense. Right. And I would, you know, um, talk to them. Like I, I, I understand them. Right. So that's kind of how it came about from, from the research. So the research just said, Hey, this is kind of, these are the people that you're attracting. That's super important Mm -hmm. to be able to pivot and make that decision instead of, you know, trying to be everything to everyone, but focus in on, on who your dream client is. So one thing that uh, was fascinating that you mentioned at the beginning here, you talked about having your parents like sign these guardianship letters. Did you create your own like um, fitness DVDs and stuff? No, no. I sold my, so I got a certifications and then I started my own wellness brand. Yeah. But that was a little later, but in the beginning I sold on behalf of a company. So oh, okay, yeah, okay. definitely not, you know, technically, I don't know if you can call that fully entrepreneurship, but. Absolutely. Was, Kids start uh, selling baseball <laughs> cards and, yeah. and uh, doing newspaper routes. I mean, all those are the beginnings. Yeah. Anything sales related, mm-hmm. like that's the beginning I think of entrepreneurship with kids. Yeah. And sales is so important. I mean, it is, it is really a skill that if you can learn sales, everything is sales at the end of the day. So, so what was Haley Rowe like growing up, you know, in middle school and in high school and how did kind of your upbringing and, and how you grew up uh, mold you or put you into a, you know, a future path towards entrepreneurship? How do you think your upbringing, you know, affected that? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say I've, so I actually grew up as a singer and a performer. Really? Yes. And I also loved, uh, well, there was a short period. What, where uh, what trying, genre are you, are you singing? Oh, well, when I was really young, it was like Spice Girls. And, oh, okay. You know, All right. But yeah, I, growing up, it was like pop. And then I did, I sang in cover bands and did pop and 80s and country so a lot of things but personally it was pop for for me and um it's funny because and then there was a short segment of time where I thought I wanted to be an actress which is really it's really not not my best uh talent and I think that that transferred a lot into sales and being a marketer because I would go on auditions and I would have to Mm. try to commit like sell sell them on me (laughs) give them an experience of my talent right and so it really um even though it's like kind of a superficial little bit world where you're constantly just like want me (laughs) It, it it really did teach me about sales and communication and showing up and being professional 
Um, and then as far as like my parents go, they're both very much high achievers and um, just didn't accept average. So that helped. Good for too. them. <laughs> yeah. So I think those, those played a role for sure. Absolutely. Well, very good. So let's let's talk about uh, like failures and and challenges because I think you know there's there's all these different ideas about failure in entrepreneurship. There's uh, sayings like fail fast, and but then there's failure that's so painful that it's it's hard to get up. What are what are some of the keys that that you've been able to harness to get through failure and see it as just part of the uh, the journey and the process towards success? Yeah. So there's a really good book called The Prosperous Coach. And in the book, they talk about how many no's are you getting? Because if you're not getting any no's or you're not repelling people who aren't a fit for what you offer, you're really not doing much. Like in order to get yeses, there's going to be more no's. In order to get wins, there's going to be more mistakes and failures. So the way that I see it, I don't see them as separate. I don't see them as good or bad. I see it as a joint. I mean, you can't have one without the other. And so one thing that's been important for me is having like a reset ritual. So if I know, like, you know, and it, to be honest, over time, you don't even need to do this anymore. Cause you're just like, I'm, it is like, I'm so over this. It's, it is just another day with another mistake or thing that I need to learn. But in the beginning, I had to like set up something that like journal prompts or things that would just reconnect me to why I was doing this and help me recover from rejection and, mm. and, you know, failures. So, um, I would say number one, just remember that you can't have one without the other. So you might as well get going. And then number two, I always believe that done is better than perfect. Um, so that means that it, because otherwise if you're not even willing to make like ask yourself in your business, what are you willing to feel and willing to have happen? Because if you are not willing to fail, if you're not willing to make mistakes, you're never going to put anything out there because you'll just be waiting until it's perfect and overanalyzing it. And it's just sitting in your brain and that's not benefiting anybody. Good stuff. So with uh, the sales and the products uh, that you build out and, and offer clients, are a lot of them, you know, one-time opportunities or some of them recurring where they'll repeat over and over? How do you try and structure your business model so that you, you can count on, you know, money coming in? Yeah. So I work with clients. I have a couple different things. I do private coaching, which is more like a four-month or six-month option. I have a small group program that's four months. And then I have um, a monthly membership that's a little bit of a you know, it, it's a more of a recurring model. And then the other thing that I do with my marketing company, that's recurring because you keep your marketing going, right? Like, so we do content curation and we do um, lead generation on LinkedIn and ads and things like that. And so that's usually a monthly thing. So it's nice because um, I, I would say my top sellers are the private coaching and the group program. But at the same time, um, if somebody have the options that are more monthly recurring if that's what they need. So that, that's super smart. Cause I think a lot of the problem that, you know, new entrepreneurs have is, you know, they, they might get a payment that comes in, they get a sizable chunk 
and then maybe they kind of relax, they take the foot off the sales pedal. But if you can structure to where it sounds like you've got a structure where you have four and six months and you know that during that period that client's paying or you've got group products where you can reach groups and charge less but have you know con continuity and regular income and and how does that make you you know feel more secure when you know that you've got future sales yeah. how, how has that helped you that was a big thing that was a big thing because i used to just kind of only offer um the private and it was it was just oh i hope it, hope it works out you know and and yeah they would split it up into a payment plan but then it's just good to have a, a what's it called? Russell Brunson, Russell Brunson calls it the value ladder. Yes. It's good to have a journey, a client journey. And what I find is like a lot of my clients, for example, maybe they're not ready for private coaching. So they start with the monthly membership. They start making more money in their business. Then they go into private coaching. And then after they graduate private coaching, they need to outsource because they're getting to that point. And so then they go into the marketing stuff. So it's, um, it's nice to know that I have options and I really can support people in a variety of ways. Hmm, absolutely. Now, going back when you were talking about overcoming failure and challenges, you talked about journal prompts and kind of going back to that. What, what, is, what does that mean exactly? How does that help? Yes. So there's an excellent book called The Road to Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And have you ever heard of him or I've heard of Keith Cunningham, but not that book title. That sounds like a great book title. It and you know, you know what else is phenomenal? Every time I'm asking you these difficult questions, there's a book that you're recommending. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a nerd about that. So uh, anyways, it's filled with journal questions and it's really important as entrepreneurs to have thinking time. Cause so often we're in our business and we don't have that bird's eye view or we're never thinking about the future. And in the book, he gives you these questions that you just wouldn't think of that get you thinking differently. So um, that's an example of like some great journal questions. Or another example would be, I love Dan Sullivan's Experience Transformer and Impact Filter. There's, if you Google it, you can find the questions for free like on a blog or you can buy the little worksheet thing that he has. And so... It takes you through turning a bad experience into a good experience, the experience transformer. And then the impact filter sets you up for something to, to be more successful. So, for example, if you had a meeting or you, you know, wanted to make something work out well, you do the impact filter. If you had a bad experience or you're embarrassed or you felt rejection or you had a thing that turned out bad, you would do the experience transformer. And it gets you thinking about, like, what did I learn from this? What's good about this? If I had to go back, what would I do differently? Like, it's just questions like that. And I think as far as um, sorting out your thoughts, like if you're in a bad space or you're feeling like a failure, the way to, the reason why you're doing that is because you're adding all these thoughts to a circumstance or to a fact, right? And, and we don't have to do that technically. And so journaling kind of allows you to catch what are those things you're adding on to this circumstance and what's going to allow you to start moving in a better direction and, you know, not let these thoughts consume you. I like that. Yeah, that's super important. I know when I'm going through different challenges and, and failure, like going back to my journal and just renewing my, my goals, my direction, and they're constantly changing, they're constantly being updated, but nothing helps me 
get through that difficulty faster than going back to those journal notes and the goals and where, where, where my dreams really want to take me. And so it's fascinating that you've got all these different ways of processing. All right, that's what that experience meant. Here's how I'm moving forward. And then you also talk about all these, you know, different books that you're reading. Um, quick question. So as you, you know, went up through, you know, your childhood and uh, maybe it sounds like you studied entrepreneurship maybe in, in college and then right after that, right after you got out of school, how much reading did you do that wasn't entertainment reading? Oh, yeah. I'm, I literally, I would say you have to include podcasts, though. because Oh, 100%. <laughs> podcasts, I, the right YouTube yeah. channels, yes. I listen to podcasts. I love them. I would do that for my job if I could. <laughs> and same with audiobooks. So I don't even oh, read me books. Too. I don't sit down and read books, really. I listen to audiobooks and I listen to podcasts because I'm an auditory learner and I love that's pretty much aside from Real Housewives and Portlandia, the only two shows that I've like ever watched seriously. Um, all my consumption is personal development stuff, things that are, I don't really read for pleasure to be honest. I, I find pleasure in learning things. So <laughs> it's pretty much all personal development, business-based books and content. And if you weren't involved in these podcasts and reading these different books, where do you think you would be success-wise with your business? Not good. <laughs> Not good. I think that I've learned more from that than college. Oh, 110% you have. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the... And I'm, I'm happy to hear that because that was a mistake I made. When I got out of college, you know, I, I, uh, I was involved in, in residential mortgage finance and I, and I started my own company within a couple of years. But, you know, I did not do the job of reading and learning from all these amazing entrepreneurs who had already done what I wanted to do times 100, times 1,000. And I really missed out on that. And it wasn't until I had a massive failure that I started, like, what am I doing? And now... Ever since then, I'm always listening to a book. Like you, know, I've read a lot, but it just seems like it's so much easier to just consume books on, on Audible and podcasts. And I know that's been a massive key to our success. And I'm not surprised at all that that is how you've built this success and this, this empire that you're building because you're spending time in the right things. And, and just amazing that so many people miss out on that. Why is it that you think so many people after they get out of college just stop learning and reaching out to the right books? What, what is it you think that people need to realize, especially if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. in terms of where you should reach out for knowledge and resources? I think the reason why is because a lot of people get comfortable and they're just like, well, you know, I'm checking off the boxes. I have a job. I have place to live, I'm getting married, I'm doing all the things, what, what else do I really need, right? And so I think having a curiosity and, and having something that uplifts you and is a purpose and a reason to learn is important. Um, and then the second half of your question, what was the second half? I think, uh, I can't remember. 
So, so how, what, what are the resources uh, that people should be looking for? What, because, oh, because yeah. everyone's taking massive action is something like Grant Cardone says, right? Mm-hmm. They're taking massive action, something, sometimes it's video games, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just scrolling on social media. So mm-hmm. what is it that people should be doing, especially if they want to be an entrepreneur, where should they be looking, you know, for solutions? Yeah. Well, I would say having your own coach or program that you consume and you implement and you take seriously is important because you can read a social media post that's inspiring or gives a tip or whatever, but most people don't implement free stuff, right? And Mm. they don't have the personalization or the accountability to go implement it. So I think that having a mentor is, is really important. And I also think in general, just podcasts, YouTube, et cetera, but make sure that you're like, I have books where I have to read it twice because I feel like I need to grasp it. So I would just say, make sure you're taking what's useful and and implementing it a little bit and have your own way of doing that. Like for me, I keep a notes file in my phone and I, Mm. you know, add something to my list for the week or whatever from it. Um, so I think it's just important to not just listen to it or consume content, but do something with it. Absolutely. So talking about uh, technology, you know, what sort of softwares and technologies, you know, should, uh, you know, business professionals and especially new entrepreneurs be thinking about or looking at mm-hmm. and, and how important is that to grow your business and get off the ground? Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of, using tools that make things easier and more automated, of course. I would say I didn't get into that. I didn't get really serious about that until later on in my business when I could have probably done it up front, but I'm all about that lean startup approach and do what's essential, right? right? So I would say um, one of the things that's been really helpful, well, first I think it's important to have some kind of CRM system and Mm. I use, and also like a email list database, right? So I use Kartra and Kartra hosts all of my courses in there. It has my sales landing pages. It has my email lists. Um, and it's just a good place. I mean, I just love that. And then I would also say uh, having a, something as simple as Calendly, like to schedule right. appointments and calls is important. Um, I would say that, having a website is important, but only after you, you're really clear about what you want to offer and you've gotten some proof of concept, meaning you've sold something without a website first using a Google doc or something like that before you go into the whole website thing. And as far as other softwares, um, I'm drawing, I mean, I use a lot of things. We use PandaDoc at my marketing company for, Um, agreements and things like that. That's pretty nifty. That's, that's me up. That's up leveling for me. I'm like, wow, (laughs) this is a step up from Google docs. Um, And Basecamp, we also use a a good project management system. If you have a team, that's, that's also important. Absolutely. And for example, like if you guys haven't been to her website, go to HaleyRow.com. Like your website is phenomenal. Who were you the the master behind behind all of that? And how did Thank you create you. such a great looking website and 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 your visuals? Like I, I think a lot of the times when you're dealing with health and wellness, like the visual images that you project are super important and vital. And for you to be teaching other health coaches, obviously important. So I mean, 
how did that happen? How were you able to put together such a great site? Because people notice it. Thank people you. notice if your site is top-notch, and that's the first mm -hmm. thing that they're going to judge you off. Yeah, you. I mean, you have like five seconds to make a solid impression. But I would say that um, with the website, just think about how do you want people to feel, what do you want them to know, and what do you want them to do? So as soon as they get to your website, how do you want them to feel? And does your colors, do your headlines, do your pictures reflect that? And then the second question, what do you want them to know? Well, right away, within the first five seconds or so of them coming to your page, you want them to know what the heck you do. And not in a cutesy, confusing way, but like a very clear, I help people do this, or, you know, it, insert the key benefits of working with you. And the last piece is, what do you want them to do? Think about, okay, rather than overwhelming them with tons of calls to action, like, oh, book a call and sign up for this lead magnet and join my Facebook group, like this page. Rather than doing that, pick one main thing on your homepage that's the key thing you want them to do. Usually for some, it's, it's booking a call. Now, I will say you can have a pop-up or an email sign up too. You know, it's, it's all good. But you don't want to have too many. Um, and so with my website, I, this was pre-marketing company, Haley. This was just Coach Haley. And so I had a great web designer, uh, Amy from Anchored at Desi Anchored Designs. I can introduce your audience if they ever want to connect with her, but she's lovely. And they, um, I came up, you know, I, I had a clear idea of, well, in a, in, a, in a website, you want to get across the three questions that I shared with you. And you want your, your top of your page is your most valuable real estate. So you want to really put the main thing you want them to do and know before they have to scroll anywhere. Um, so those are some of the things that I took into account. Absolutely. And having an important team member that can do that for you. I mean, obviously at the beginning you're trying to save money, but sometimes it's just more important to have a professional who mm -hmm. can take your vision and then, you know, actually bring it to life. Totally. Well, perfect. So in terms of work-life balance and, and especially when you're beginning as an entrepreneur and, and health and, and all these different things, like what is the key to having that, uh, that balance in your mind? And, and what have you learned throughout this journey that these are some of the keys that I have to do or I'm not going to actually be happy even if my business is, is succeeding? Yes. So I always call it rather than work-life balance, I heard somewhere and I don't remember where I heard it, probably a book again, um, work-life harmony. And the reason why I like that is because I think there's this expectation that you have to have work-life balance and here's what it looks like for everyone. You, you know, do this on the weekends and you do this during the week and your work hours are this and, and whatever. Right. And I don't, I think that puts a lot of pressure on people and people have different work styles and personality styles and things they want to do. And they have sprint seasons and they have mm -hmm. relaxed seasons. And some people like a balance of both at all times. And other people like to work really hard for a short sprint and then take time off. So I think it's important to know and work with your natural strengths, personality type, and what ultimately you want your lifestyle to look like uh, rather than trying to create this sense of balance just because that's what you technically feel like you should be doing. So for me, there was a time where I was in a grunt phase and I literally worked on weekends a lot and I worked during the week and I like had a little bit of a season of that and that's okay. 
Like, I'm glad I did that because now it's much less stressful and I have a lot of things set up that I wanted to get set up versus now, like I have a lot, I feel like I have a really good balance. Um, and I've tried it, like you kind of figure out <clears throat> your stride and I figure out my most productive call hours and what are my days where I want to do back end stuff versus what are the days I want to be on podcasts and doing front end stuff. So I think you have to pay attention to how your energy works best when you work best when you're best at certain things. So in other words, if at the beginning of the week, you're motivated and you're excited, that's when you should do your discovery calls or your big, you know, things where you got to be rah, rah. And so just thinking about those things is, is really important. Good stuff. So you talked a little bit uh, about mentors and I thinking ha having mentors obviously is a shortcut to success in life, but it does seem like the more busy everybody is and the more, you know, it's difficult to find that maybe that one-on-one -on -one person. How have you been able to, to find uh, mentors or, and maybe it's not even someone you actually know, but you're like really studying that one person and how they built their business. How has that been key to your success and what should new entrepreneurs be looking at in terms of mentors or maybe just mm -hmm. online resources they can learn from? Yeah, I think it's really important to, I have to say one of my mentors came to me um, and, and I think a lot of people are like searching for a mentor and, and you know, um, trying to make sure it's the perfect person. But to be honest, my, one of my mentors who was most impactful in my life, he, he came, somehow he popped up in my world. I didn't, I wasn't sort like seeking him out and he gave me the experience of getting to know what it's like to work with him before I worked with him. So he didn't have a huge, and this was actually different than the past mentors and things that I've done where I've looked at like their, you know, their Facebook group and their content and I binged it yeah. and I looked at their social proof and all the things, which I do think you should look at. I do think you should check out, you know, what's their story? Have they done it successfully? Do they have social proof? Is this, you know, do they have maybe references? But uh, at the same time, sometimes you need to challenge that a little bit and go with your gut also. And the person who I got to experience, he was never trying to like sell me very fast or do anything, but he was giving me a lot of value. And I was like, wow, at this point, I just feel like you're already my mentor and I need to pay you. <laughs> and actually we ended up partnering together with my marketing company. We became business partners. So um, it's, I would say there's no hard and fast rules, but sometimes you have to be a little bit open-minded um, and don't always know that you're ultimately responsible. Like I've had a time where I worked with a, a coach or a mentor that I wasn't like crazy about. And I was kind of like, maybe I should have done more research and things like that. But to be honest, I learned more from what, what that situation um, about how I wanted to work and how I wanted to do things in my business just from the experience rather than like tactical lessons that maybe had a huge ROI. I still learned from the bad experience, if that makes sense. So I, I'm, I'm kind of going off way too much on this question, but my summary would be, yes, look at, do you drive with their content? Do you, you know, do they have social proof? But at the same time, what's the experience they've given you and, and have you used their information for free 
and been successful with it, that's another big thing. And it sounds like this person just provided so much value to you that you just recognize, wow, I'm learning so much. This is helping my business. This is helping me that eventually you, you know, you want to work with them. And I think that's a great lesson that you've just shared for us. Instead of always going out there and, oh, I got to search, I got to find this mentor. Just as you're working throughout your business, you'll just see how someone is treating you, the value they're bringing you, and you'll just inevitably end up doing, you know, business with them. And, and that's a great, a great lesson I think that we can all learn. So all of that said, you provided amazing value to our audience and, and to the Seven Figures community today, and we're truly grateful, Haley. You know, how can we connect up with you? How can we support you? And for some of those aspiring entrepreneurs that want to look at the health industry and wellness industry as an option for them, how can they get in touch with you? How's the best way for them to connect? Yes. So I first just want to say thanks again, Leo, for having me on the show. This is super fun. And I have a podcast called Health Coach Nation. I also have a Facebook group, um, facebook.com slash groups slash Health Coach Nation. And for your audience in particular, if they want to get that free niche marketing training we talked about, they can go to HaleyRowe.com. There's also an option to book a call with me, as we talked about earlier. And um, those would probably be the best places. I'm also on Instagram at Haley underscore Rowe. And my name has an I in it, my first name. So H-A-I-L-E-Y. Hope that helps. <laughs> that helps. That's perfect. Healthcare Nation, that's a great, uh, that's a great name. What was it? Was it Health Coach Health Nation? Coach. Health, Coach, Health Nation. Coach Nation. Health Coach Nation. That's a great yeah. name and a great uh, Facebook group name as well. Thank you. And Podcast one other thing, oh, I, I forgot. Um, if you're more interested in the marketing services inside, you can go to dreamingforaliving.com slash powerplayer. I was going to say, like, you're such a good marketer, your website, your brand, your imaging, like imaging is so important because you use it in everything and in your Instagram account, you've got a big following there as well. And I'm sure you're using your podcast as well. So, so it sounds like you can also help just different business owners who just need help with their marketing and their brand. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That one would be the, the power player option. So dreamingforaliving.com slash power player. And that's a little bit separate. Perfect. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much, Haley. Is there anything else that we missed or did we uh, cover everything that you wanted to share? No, I think we covered some good grounds. And I, um, you know, to Leo's audience, feel free to just let me know if you have any questions or what you liked about the episode. And I'm excited to see it go live. All right. Well, thanks so much, Haley. Everybody have an amazing day and we'll see you next time on the Seven Figures Club podcast. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.